How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me slash growth. That's hbs.me slash growth. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, with two-man coverage of the red and gold, this is the Locked On Chiefs Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And we're back. It's Locked On Chiefs. We are going into the final preseason week. Game four coming up on Thursday. A lot of guys are dinged up. We're going to go over that here in a minute. We're going to talk about who still has an outside chance to make this team. We have news on Spencer Ware. And we're going to talk about Tom Bahali as well. First, check out the rest of the podcast network for us. All the other teams have shows. We've got some new hosts in new places like Denver uh, and San Diego. Check those out. San Diego, Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, we still got Matt Williamson on Locked on NFL. And we're going to try to have him on this week uh, with us to talk about the AFC West and the race for it. Uh, we have Vinny Iyer on Locked on Fantasy. Make sure you're subscribed on iTunes or Podcast Addict or wherever it's easiest for you. Um, we are going to continue this kind of release schedule. So as we get closer to the, to the regular season, we'll have stuff for you to get a little bit of a sneak preview from the night before. So check that out. We still see folks calling in. There's plenty on there on the the call-in line, make sure you, you go through those prompts and actually leave us a voicemail. That's probably the hardest thing about this deal, but the number is 913-777-4457. Uh, we would look forward to hearing from you, especially as we get close to cutdowns. We want to know who you guys want and, and what you think the difference is. So, Chris, uh, big news for this morning, uh, as we're recording on Sunday, that Spencer Ware has torn his PCL. Yeah, and there's also damage to the MCL as well. It sounds like he is going to be probably out for the season. It's not a done deal yet. They want to get a second opinion, or they almost made it sound like Spencer Ware is the one that wants to get the second opinion. I'm not exactly sure what the difference is there, uh, but you know, it sounds like they are going to recommend that the that he has surgery and that he would be done for the season at this point. You know, and I can understand a player wanting to get a second opinion. Everyone on the Chiefs that I've ever heard comment about the training staff has the utmost faith in them. But here's the thing about a PCL in particular. Because of the way that it, it, it aligns the knee, it's a pretty common thing for guys who, who tear PCLs to not feel it or not feel that much pain associated with it. And so it makes you feel like, wait a minute, you know, maybe I'll miss something. Is it really that bad? Um, unlike an ACL where you get more of a, a shearing force and more grinding on your joint, uh, that obviously causes a lot more pain. So I, I can understand him taking a look. You know, maybe he'll go see Andrews. It, he seems to be the number one guy um, that everybody wants to go to get a second opinion. And uh, once he does, uh, I think he'll probably just have to come to the realization that that knee's not stable enough to play on for a full season. Well, the other part of that is, is you know, as a player, you want to play. And that eliminates any chance of him playing this year. And let's be honest here. He was going to be in a fight for his roster position at, at you know, starting running back with Kareem Hunt through the entire season. Uh, now with him out, um, I don't think he'll get that starting position back next year. Uh, just my guess, but I think Kareem Hunt's going to take it. And as long as he doesn't get injured, which you know, obviously we can hope doesn't happen, but uh, I think he's going to be the starter moving forward. 
You know, in that's certainly a scenario that can play out. I'd like to see him play some regular season games before I think he can be a starter. But everything that we've seen from Hunt to this point and every piece of team that I looked at uh, of his college film tells me that he should be able to become a bell cow. Maybe not like you would think in, in you know, the classic sense, you know, 75% of the carries or something like that. But I think he's certainly good for 60 65%. And that with a little change up between what you have in Sharkandrick West as well as CJ Spiller. And if they choose to add another, um, which is an interesting scenario, somebody hit me with, uh, Chiefs SB hit me with that question this morning, and we can talk about that in a minute. But uh, I just certainly say think- no. <laughs> just say no. It's a scenario. Well, let's just do it now then. Uh, Chiefs SB tweeted me, you know, can. Can you see an option for if Jamal Charles doesn't make the Broncos roster for them bringing him back? And A, I, I was a little concerned for him because it looked like a cut that he took in that the one game that he's going to play in, in this preseason. Uh, it looked bothersome to me. He got checked out, and they, they said it was for a concussion, and I can't say that they're liars, but uh, I'd be really interested to see if he's able to continue practicing this next week. Uh, and if not, maybe he doesn't make that roster. And if so, I know there were people – uh, around the organization with the Chiefs that were shocked and, and a bit frustrated by his release uh, by former GM John Dorsey. Uh, and maybe that is enough of an impetus to try and bring him home. Well, if you trust your medical staff, I have to think that's where it came down to. Uh, you know, and maybe it was a Dorsey move all the way. We'll never know the complete story on that, more than likely. But if you trust your medical staff and they said, you know, he's not going to be good, then. That's what it is, and and to me, that's what it really is. If if Charles can practice this entire week and not have to take time off because his knees are swollen, then maybe he's better than I think he is. But I'm guessing that he's going to miss a day or two of practice because he's got swelling in his knees. And he said himself last night, he's not in the shape that he should be for the regular season. And I'm sorry, I love Jamal Charles and, and everything, but if you're not in the regular season at this point, or if you're not in regular season shape at this point, I don't understand how you're ever going to get there because you've had plenty of time for your knees to heal. It's a difficult question. And, you know, the the re-injury or whatever happened with the meniscus they tried to clear out when he played against the Raiders, uh, you know, that sets a timeline back, and and maybe that's part of it. You know, if he could – if he can't make the Broncos roster, if you stashed him somewhere – it would allow him a little bit more time if he can play into that shape. Maybe he can be 80% of his, his former self, um, which I still think is, is is a top 20 running back in this league. Yeah, I think that's a push at 80%, maybe at 85 or 90, but I understand where you're going. I guess what I'm saying is, is I don't see how, uh, you know, all this happened with the meniscus, what, maybe October of last year? So he's almost a year removed from any of that surgery. He should be fully healthy at this point, or at least really close to being fully healthy. And if he's not in game shape now, I don't see how he's going to get in game shape soon. And that's a fair point. In the meantime, the Chiefs have Spiller, who it sounds like Andy Reid has made clear, is on this team at this point, um, and that the the Rook's going to start. My question for you is, at cut-down time, you know, CJ Spiller's had injury history. Kendrick West has had injury history. Uh, you know, do you do you go into the season with the only guy without injury history is your rookie, or do you try to pick up a, a vet that gets cut? I mean, you could look at trying to pick up a vet, but I don't know that there's going to be anybody there that's that you're really going to want to pick up. I just, it's hard to say at this point. Uh, there are lots of things that we're going to be asking questions of in the next week 
when it comes to cutdowns. Running back is one of them. Uh, they could look for a veteran, but is it going to be somebody that's going to give you a real upgrade from what you already have? And where are you going to put them? Uh, that's going to cost you a position player. It's that's going to cost you a player at another position. And you know, if you keep four, you keep four. But I think you end up keeping three and have one on the practice squad. Yeah, and, and that may be an option too. Although you can lose players off your practice squad, it's it's not that difficult. We've seen it before. Well, so sure. my big concern is when you when you have to spell a rookie or you have to if you have issues in pass protection, that's probably the number one thing. Uh, Spiller's shown himself still capable of that in a very solid outing in this preseason. But again, when your primary backup pass protector you know, for third downs or anything else, man, when they're both easily injured, I mean, you're running the risk of going from your starter goes down, it's a 50-50 chance your backup goes down, now you're down to a single running back. Uh, I know you can probably line up Travis Kelsey back there if you really had to. Uh, I'm all for seeing the Shermanator take the ball a lot. You know me. I just don't know that it's going to be successful you know, for the team. So it, it leaves you where you have to kind of uh, weigh your options about making sure you, you injury-proof yourself, at least in the first couple of weeks. Well, one of the nice things about Reed's offense is it is running back heavy to an extent, but it's not running back heavy because they run the ball 80% of the time or 70% of the time. The running backs are heavily used in the passing game, but Reed, you know, if you end up getting an injury or two during a game, Reed's going to be the guy that's going to be able to scheme around that, and he's going to do some other stuff with a DeAnthony Thomas, who I think is on this roster, and a you know Tyreek Hill is obviously going to be on this roster. I think you can do some stuff to scheme those guys out of the backfield, and uh, if you really need to have somebody coming out of the backfield, or you can use Anthony Sherman as your as your protector, and he's the only back back there, and. His simple position is try to pick people up off the blitz. Yeah, and, and you know that he's capable of it, so you might as well give it a shot. You know, ever since we started this podcast, people have been asking for advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. Do you have the Patriots or the Steelers? Chicago or Detroit? Well, let me tell you this. Where you're betting at is just as important as who you're betting on. So that's why we always tell people to go to mybookie.ag. MyBookie has been in business for years, and their rep is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing. And they have the fastest payouts. Seriously, just two business days. You know who's going to win, right? Lay down some cash and win big today. And that's why we're urging you to make your way to MyBookie. If you win, they pay. They have great in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go super easy. Join now. And MyBookie will match your deposit up to 100%. Use the promo code LOCHIEFS to activate your offer. Visit MyBookieAG today. You play, you win, you get paid. One thing that I do think is very interesting going into this season is you have a guy in Tom Bahali that went off in the preseason about players not being available uh, and not being at OTAs. And Tom is on the pup list and hasn't practiced all during training camp or during the preseason at all. He's still on the pup list, but he was listed as inactive going into the third game, so I think he's close to becoming active, but I still don't think he gets any time in game four of the preseason. You know, I don't know that he needs it. Really, the question is, is he healthy enough to do it? Uh, and it is kind of a unique situation when he calls people out 
before training camp opens, literally just before training camp opens. Uh, and then he's on the pup the entire time. Um, we have seen this foreshadowed before. They called Parker Anger a scratch, and then the next couple of days they brought him back. So maybe he is close. Um, does he need to get a couple of snaps? Eh, maybe. Uh, at his point in his career, I think he can probably walk into game one and be ready to go um, if he's physically ready to go. Yeah, and I think he's probably going to be physically ready to go. But my point and my question is is that if he's not going to practice at all this offseason, how fresh is he going to be and how ready is he going to be? And maybe freshness isn't the right word. How ready is he going to be going into the season without having any real contact and game time? Because that is something that players need at least a little bit of. Yeah, and I, and I can understand. I'd, I'd like to see him get you know at least – at least a couple of snaps in this fourth preseason game, just a you know a series with the rest of the starters, like he probably will. Eh, I don't think you're going to see probably a stretch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, you know, normal first drive, kind of just get a couple of snaps and get out of there. Okay, fine. If that doesn't happen, I still think that you know for a guy who's going to be on a pitch count anyway, um, maybe 15 snaps a game. Um, I still think he can probably roll in there and, and readjust to the game fairly quickly, especially if he's spelling D Ford, who, you know, I don't know how you felt about him the other night, but I think they still need to to rotate Tomba when they can. So let's hope that he's ready and he's off the pup here soon, and we'll have to see what happens against New England. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's good. the other interesting part about this whole thing is, you know, you look at how Ford played. And he played okay, but, you know, we're under the assumption that both those guys are going to stay healthy the entire season. Um, I, I hope that's the case with Ford and, and Houston, but if it's not, Kansas City's going to be in a world of hurt. Yeah, and, you know, Daddy Nicholas isn't going to return probably. I, I don't know if he returns the season at all. If he does, it's going to be late. He injured himself late. So uh, a guy with a lot of promise, yes. Um, definitely ahead of any of the other pass rushers outside of Frank Zombo that are on this team. So, I mean, he would be somebody that if he is available, you would want to bring back. Although, you know, Zombo's just steady, man. He's just creepily efficient when he gets to play. He gives him another op- option at outside backer, and, you know, I think they're they're comfortable rolling with him at that point. Um, you know, maybe that makes Bob Sutton have to get a little more creative. Um, we've seen more play out of uh, Rameek Wilson, I think. And here's another topic. I thought Rameek Wilson played well uh, in the third Preseason game, I think he's your starter. I don't think it's a competition with Josh Mauga anymore. Uh, I thought it was pretty dang clear that he is the guy that's going to start. And I think he looks better attacking the hole. And if you can blitz with him, uh, maybe that makes up for some of the pressure that you lose if you have to go to a Zamba or to even Tom Bahali at this point. And maybe it does. The question becomes to me is who ends up making that decision at inside linebacker? Because if they keep Josh Mauga, I think they're going to be releasing another player that is more valuable at another position. Uh, my, in my own personal opinion, um, you know, I, th- I don't think that they need to keep five inside linebackers unless it's unless you really want to keep a Justin March Lillard who started to make some plays in on special teams but didn't show anything in defensively on uh, Friday night. Yeah, there were a lot of players who did not get much of a chance uh, in the week three preseason game, you know, and, and Marshall Lillard is one of them. Didn't play on defense. And that's that's a significant thing. Uh, 
I don't think he should make this roster just by his play alone. I know he's he's a fan favorite, uh, and he's a guy that we've watched develop from an undrafted rookie through this program. Uh, I know that he's close with his teammates, and, and that's a tough call. But if you can't play, you can't play. And if guys like Aligwe and obviously Kevin Pierre-Lewis have passed you by, that's a significant thing that has to be done for the betterment of the team. And that's the way it goes. To me, this depth chart ends after a league way at number four. And if you keep Malga, he'd be fifth, in my opinion. But, you know, Bob Sutton's the one making the calls. Well, I don't think Bob Sutton should be the one making the calls if you're looking at the roster as a whole. I don't think Malga gives you enough on special teams uh, to warrant a keep at this point. And that's really what you have to look at when you're talking about a guy that's probably fifth on the depth chart uh, at best, which uh, they're not playing him like that. But I, I just don't, I don't see what this team in Bob Sutton really likes in Malga. I mean, he's a vet. He knows the system. That's about it. He doesn't provide you any of the side to line to sideline speed that the other two, you know, young guys do. And he is not, he doesn't appear as instinctive as some of as Rameek Wilson. So, yeah, and that's going to be this is the position that we've been talking about all preseason, and it's going to continue to be a question until cutdown day. That's just all there is to it. In this this last upcoming preseason game, you know, this position in particular, uh, you know, you're going to expect not to see Derek at all, probably. Um, maybe Rameek sparingly. He did rotate back and forth. He did play in the second half in, in week three. Um, so maybe he gets a little bit of reps, but I expect to see a ton of Kevin Pierre-Lewis and Marcus Ligue, uh as well as Malga. And then maybe Marshall Lillard has a last stand to, to make this roster if he can do something. Uh, although from seeing what the uh, the beat writers gathered, Matt Derrick and, and the guys uh, are saying, that it feels like the majority of this roster is set, as it should be. Uh, you really got to stand out in this last preseason game. Yeah, no, absolutely, and you have to realize that these guys are going to be going against second and third teamers and guys that aren't going to be on the roster in a week, or actually by the time this game is played, they won't be on the roster in the next two or three days. Uh, they will all be, most of them will be released. So, you know, the competition you're going against is going to be a big thing. You know, really the other position that's going to be interesting to me, obviously corner will be uh, a little bit, but wide receiver, what are they going to do at wide receiver? You know, you look at a, a guy in Marcus Kemp who really started to show up in training camp with and had a real connection with Patrick Mahomes, and then he ends up coming in and has two great special teams plays in, in the third preseason game, um, and he gets playing time ahead of Demarcus Robinson. What does that mean for Robinson, and what does it mean that they're trying Albert Wilson as a punt returner? Yeah, that's... It's a very interesting scenario for the wide receivers, especially as it re- regards the special teams, uh, because moving those guys around at this point in the preseason is a little bit surprising. I would have thought going into the season that Marcus Robinson is your number four, possibly number three, um, but it looks like he's he's had some trouble, and his playing time in week three uh, really is the only indication of that. He, he's gotten open. Uh, he's had a couple of passes thrown his way that he either – caught or was interfered with or was called back, you know, I don't see I don't see that lack of what you're looking for in him in his development in terms of separation and running his routes. Um, I'm a little bit at a, at a loss as to where DeMarcus Robinson is right now. Well, and even in game two, he played, you know, some with the third and fourth string unit when 
you saw him get in early with the first string unit and then coming back in with the third and fourth. I mean, it just doesn't make sense unless they're just trying to get him time to develop, which if that's really the case, okay, but why are you playing him with the third string only in game number three? I don't think he got any starting reps uh, with the first string in the first three quarters. Well, and the interesting thing, when you look at playtime overall in week three, obviously um, Hill and Conley um, played the majority, uh, right up under 50%, uh, I think 49-46 respectively. The next guy to play offensive snaps was Marcus Kemp at 43%. Yep. Um, that's It's not just that he played with the one, it's that there was that much volume of work. I mean, that's more than Albert Wilson, who only played 32%. Uh, and Chesson was exactly the same. I think Chesson showed a couple of things. I know that he's making this team. They, they have an investment in him. Um, and I know it's been a little slow to develop, but I think it's going to. I like what he does. His hands are pretty sure, and I feel like um, he's catching up with the game at this point. He might not be ready to contribute till I don't know, a quarter of the way through the season or something, but I think eventually he will. Well, I'm not so sure that he's ready to contribute really as a wide receiver this season, and that's okay. You look at what Reed's system is. You know, Demarcus Robinson took a year. Uh, you know, Conley's taking a year. Hill took you know some of a year uh, because, but they also used him differently than they'll use uh, Chesson in this role. So it's going to be something that he has to learn Reed's system, and it's going to take time, and that's fine. It's not a big deal as long as he's able to contribute on special teams, which you've seen him playing all the special teams. Uh, you know, and I, I, w- I will continue to say, you know, the only thing I saw from Albert Wilson on Thursday or on Friday night was two big drops that were right in his hands that should have been caught. And, uh, yeah, one other one that he did catch that he got walloped by, I believe, Richard Sherman. Yeah, and you know, you're going to get no argument from me. Between the drops, the alligator arms, and what we've seen from him in the past, especially tracking the ball over his head, I, I don't see what Andy Reid sees in him, but Andy Reid seems to feel that he's a contributor. He definitely, I will say this, he does have chemistry with Alex Smith. Alex Smith looks for him, and Alex Smith you know, is vocal in praising him when they're practicing, those kind of things. I just don't think he's a gamer. Well, and you can be, you can look for the guy, but if he drops two-thirds of what you throw to him, what's the point? And I, you know, I'm sorry, but both of those, both of those catches for Wilson would have been first downs and you have to catch those against the Patriots if you're going to beat them. And granted, they weren't playing the Patriots. I get it, but he had two catches that were right there and he dropped both of them. And, you know, Smith did not play a good game on Friday night. I've said that multiple times, but you know, he was really let down by some of his wide receivers as well. Well, I think the whole team was let down by their coaching staff because they were not prepared. And, you know, if, you've, if you're new to this show, get ready for this because I'm going to call out and I'm going to tell you what I think of the coaching staff because when you look at a team that walks into Seattle Stadium and is playing a, a very good defense and a f- pretty solid offense and you're just not ready to go on either side of the ball, that's on the staff. And that's something that we're going to talk about and watch through the season too. Well, I think that's it for us today. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. This uh, is going to be a quick week for this team. We'll see some practice, and then they're going to shut it down, get ready for that final preseason game on Thursday night, uh, as well as cut-down day, which is going to be really quick. I think they said it's going to be 1,180 players released all at the same day. 
Uh, so the waiver wire is going to be a little bit different. And even though Brett Veach said earlier last week that he didn't plan to be very active, I think a couple of these scenarios that we talked about today are going to cause him to have to pay attention to the waiver wire. So uh, we will see what happens with him. Uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Check out um, the post. Check out the timelines. We'll have all the uh, the visual reference that uh, we need to put out to for you to reference when you're listening to the show. Uh, pass it around. Tell your friends. Uh, the season's just about here, and we're going to keep rolling. So thank you for listening to us today, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Chiefs podcast. While you're out there, give us a rating or review, and reach out to us on Twitter, at Ryan Tracy NFL and at Chris Clark NFL. We'll talk to you next time.